previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. My name is Stefan Monceau. Is that a giant space hamster? Why, yes, I'm starting a business. Please have a seat. I am Admiral Torella Arwit, Admiral of the Elven Imperial Fleet here in Crotspace. How does this Captain Valeria run her ship? Does she treat her crew well? What, what sort of laws are there about that? The Salvagers Guild has much bigger things to deal with than missing rodents. They are quality thoroughbred space hamsters, and now they're all gone! You see the Admiral stand. Valeria. Val crosses her arms. Mother. Uh-oh. Mother? Admiral now. Congratulations on the promotion, Val says, her arms still crossed. The Admiral narrows her eyes. You know as well as I that the promotion was a thinly veiled insult. I am now nothing more than a glorified babysitter for this backwater system. Val continues to glare at her mother. Never thought you'd be one to be dissatisfied by the fruits of your own ambition. The Admiral sighs and leans forward, placing her hands on her desk. You know I'd be much happier in command of my own ship, with far more autonomy and freedom. You can understand that. You and I are alike in that regard. Val wrinkles her nose at that and says, Your brass isn't the only one dealing out insults I see. I'm nothing like you. The Admiral sighs and says, kind of glancing over towards the three of you and turning back to Val. Perhaps you can dismiss your crew. I hardly think this is a matter they need to continue to be involved in. And Val says, No, they fucking stay. I will decide if and when I dismiss my crew. Your actions have involved them, and now they will see the matter finished. And with that outburst, Barnaby Swain pokes his head into the room. Admiral, is everything all right in here? Yes, Corporal Swain, carry on. She turns back to Val. Fine. Have it your way. And Val... (sighs) Did... Did you impound Tishra's pride and confiscate its cargo just to have this conversation? The Admiral pauses for a moment before saying, The Tishra's pride flew within proximity of one of our men of war at a dangerous velocity and was otherwise navigating in a suspicious manner. Our suspicion was legal justification to board them and search their craft. We discovered documentation of their delivery purchased by the Voidfarer on their manifest, and I figured... Correctly, it seems, that if your shipment never arrived, it would only be a matter of time until you came looking for it. So yes, Mother, that was an awful lot of words to say yes. Yes, the Admiral admits. Unbelievable. And what was this all to accomplish? Sad your daughter Dearest doesn't write on the regular? Needed to check in to make sure I'm eating my vegetables and bathing properly? Valeria. Had to resort to extreme measures to deploy the troops under your command just so I'd pop in for a chat, did you? And you, with all of your tactical brilliance, really thought this would go any other way. 
the Admiral kind of scoffs and says, huh, you really are as stubborn as your father. With that, Val suddenly draws her sword with a flash and points it at her mother. You get all mention of him out of your mouth. You neglected to speak of him for the first ten years of my life. You do not get to start now. I think at that point, Marco is going to also like, so it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's all calm down now. Ravnus's hand is kind of like lingering by her sword. The Admiral hasn't flinched. And Barnaby Swain pokes his head again and sees what's happened and kind of pulls out his pistols and goes, Admiral, it's all right. Barnaby, stand down. Valeria, if you're done shouting, I did all this because I needed to warn you. We have discovered within our own ranks a Zenith Syndicate operative. We have learned through our interrogations that the Suzerain is planting covert operatives within the ranks of every political power in Crotspace. We do not know yet what he's planning, but we speculated something big. It's very possible that he will try to implant an operative on your crew if he hasn't already. Val pauses for a moment and lowers her sword. Now, I can direct you to where we are holding your cargo, and you can retrieve it yourself. The paperwork for the release of the Tishra's Pride is being processed, and they will have their ship and the rest of their cargo back to them in a few days. And she'll sit down in her chair and kind of pull out some parchment and a quill. And she starts writing something across a scroll and rolls it up, and uh, as she's rolling, she kind of mentions, kind of in the direction of you three, I'm sorry you had to be involved with our family matters, but it appears that it is a subject matter that Valeria here thought best you witness. She kind of takes out a bit of wax and melts it over the scroll that she just rolled up and places her seal of the Elven Imperial fleet on it. And she hands the scroll to Val. If you take this down to Warehouse 42 and give it to a warehouse attendant, he will retrieve the cargo for you. Thank you so much. Val shoots you a look that says... Now is not your time to speak. (laughs) And she takes the scroll and tucks it into the front pocket of her jacket. And she says, thank you, Admiral. I believe this concludes our business. And she just turns and walks away. Uh, Barnaby, who is still standing in the doorway, goes, and shuffles his way out of the way because he kind of takes up the whole door. And Val walks past. I presume you follow? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was just trying to get out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Admiral just kind of nods to you as you all exit. You follow Val. She just heads right through the like the, the reception area of the embassy back out onto the street of the, the Guild's Ward of Nadir Anchorage. She's has a pretty deliberate stride and she's still breathing heavy. After she gets probably about a hundred feet down, she'll stop and Tilt her head back and close her eyes and take a deep breath as you guys catch up to her. I apologize. That was uh, not something that uh, you probably should have had to witness, but I didn't want to give her the satisfaction of telling me how to order my crew around. It, it's it's all right. Um, no offense taken. Was there a reason that you wanted us to be there? I didn't trust that she wouldn't try to take me back and i wanted back up in case that was the case um i i don't know maybe it was foolish of me no it's fine i mean it's fine i think i would have preferred a little bit of like a warning beforehand but other than that um it's okay by me yes i i apologize um it's not very uh captainly of me i presume uh but it's complicated. 
it, it, it's it's all right, uh, Captain. I uh, I I totally understand. Do, do you want us to go down to the warehouse for you, or do you want to attend to it yourself? Yes, if you don't mind, um, she'll actually pull the scroll out and hand it to you, Luckbeak. If you wouldn't mind fetching the cargo, I'll head back to the ship and let Brohane and Laney know that it is on its way so they can start prepping the final repairs that need to be made. All right, we'll head down right now. Thank you. And again, I apologize. Um, as soon as she's out of earshot, uh, I think Luckbeak is going to turn to Marco and go, what what the <laughs> what was that <laughs> i don't know but about halfway through i just kind of wanted to get out of the room in truth yeah no kidding that reminded me like i was at a friend's house once for dinner when i was little and his parents were going through a divorce and it was just like that was terrifying <laughs> why wouldn't she warn us going over that's that's what's concerning me. I would think that she'd want us prepared. Yeah, you think she would have gotten some clue from, from you know, the way that her crew is, like, mutinying against her, that they want to be in on things a little more and have a little more say. <laughs> what? Jeez. Yeah, Louise. That... Ugh. That's not as dramatic storytelling, Saker. I totally understand. <laughs> it's like she was trying to create a cliffhanger or some shit. <laughs> Can't believe story progression. <laughs> it's like I uh, wow. Yeah, I'm usually more sympathetic towards Val, but uh, yeah, I would have liked just a little bit of a heads up there before I walked into that interesting family dynamic. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, uh, I I suppose. Hey, actually, whatever happened to that mutiny? Did we get that sorted? Uh, yes, we, we kind of petered out after a little bit of volatility, if I remember. Yeah, all right, all right. And, and Val kind of conceding that she would be more open and that, Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's why I'm forgetting, is because Val <laughs> promised to be more, more open and considerate. All right, that's, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, anyway, I guess, uh, we should go down to the warehouse, huh? Yeah, I suppose so. Let's get this finished and... Great. So you head down to the mooring ward. There is a number of warehouses that line the docks for temporary holding of various salvage before it can be sold off. And and you would probably know by now, of course, the Salvagers Guild runs most of these warehouses. Anyway, you make your way down the line of warehouses to one that is clearly marked as Warehouse 42. And uh, there is a small office area attached to it. And you go in and there seems to be an attendant behind a desk. Hey, I'm going to waddle up to the desk and kind of uh, slap the paper on the desk and go, uh, uh, we're here for uh, Tishra's Pride. Uh, he takes the scroll, breaks the seal, and unravels it. And one crate from the cargo of Tishra's Pride, by order of the Admiral, Terella Arwid. Uh, all right, everything seems to be in order. Follow me. And he'll stand. He leads you into the warehouse. It's a long, narrow warehouse, probably a couple hundred feet long. Uh, and there's just boxes and crates stacked up everywhere. A lot of the crates have various symbols painted on them, property of various factions or various organizations. Marco, you you see a couple that have the seal of the Seekers on them. You see a lot of them, most of them probably, are have the, uh, the symbol of the Salvagers Guild, which is two crossed line hooks, which are like poles with hooks on the end, on a field of stars. And you see a couple crates marked with the Elven Imperial Fleet, some of the Moonhammer Mining Company, and so on and so forth. 
you're led down a row towards the far end and you get about halfway down and you guys all hear this strange sound it's like a a large kind of deep like scratching coming from inside of a large crate that you're walking past following this man through the warehouse excuse me sir do you store live creatures here sometimes i don't really ask i don't really ask questions uh if the papers are in order, we'll store it. Did it did it sound like it was coming from a big crate? It was a big crate. It's like shipping container size crate. Sure. Yeah. Oh. That that doesn't like terrify you? Like working in a, a situation with I don't know, a werewolf or something in there? Look, I don't get paid to ask questions. Alright, alright. And as you walk away, you hear almost as if the sound stopped when there was talking right outside it, and then as you're walking away here. I uh, I hope whatever it is, they're feeding it. <laughs> he continues walking you all the way down to the end, and you see that there's a large pile of crates that are labeled Tisher's Pride. And he looks through a bunch of them, and he finds a crate that is probably only about three feet wide um, in any direction, like a three-foot cube. Rope handles on either side, and he'll grab it by each side. Ugh! All right, here you go. And set it down in front of you guys. All right, well, uh, thanks for that. Um, which one of you two is going to pick that up? Marco looks at his gangly arms and just looks <laughs> over to Ravnus. Ravnus rolls her eyes and picks it up. <laughs> yeah. It's it's heavy, Ravnus, but you can get it pretty easily. Yeah. You start walking back the other way. In the same direction you came, you see that there's another figure there with a crowbar attempting to pry open one of the large containers. The oh, I don't think that's wise. One of the containers with uh, the things in it? One of the ones over in okay. that area. All right. uh, it's another big container like that. It's not necessarily the same container. There's a couple of them that are that size. And he has his back to you, but he has a long coat and a tricorner hat with a feather in it. And he's prying one of the ends of the container off. And a bit of it splinters off, but the door doesn't open. Blast it! And as he stumbles backward, he turns and looks at the three of you and... Luckbeak, you immediately recognize yep, him. Yeah, I know exactly what's happening. <laughs> Nick, you and your damn, you're finally going to hook us into this story. Um, <laughs> sir, m maybe you want to take your crate outside before you, you pry it open. Ah, ah. No, it's, 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 it's all right. And then he sees you, Luckbeak, and his eyes get a little wide. Oh, no. You, you... You, you've been tracking me no. down this whole time. No, I you've don't. been on my trail. You know oh, what I was oh, up to. Geez. I told you my what. And, and he is going to turn and run. I, I promise I don't care. <laughs> I truly don't know how to tell you I don't care. Uh, so, what, what did you do to this man? I, I didn't do it. Stefan did. Uh, is uh, is the guy still with us, the, the dock worker? Uh, yeah, but he doesn't seem to be too terribly bothered. He's, like, kind of looking between the two of you, and he kind of, like, rolls his eyes and starts walking back towards his office. I'm doing the gesturing thing with, like, my hands, like, both hands here, and then both hands towards the crate that's, like, partway open now. <laughs> it's his crates. Oh, oh, okay. The guy shrugs and turns to, like, head back to his office. And that's when you hear the sounds of splintering wood. <laughs> oh. Coming from the direction this guy, this Mr. Brigham Digby, as Luckbeak knows him, ran to. 
and you see another very large wooden crate, probably easily 15 feet wide and 20 feet long, kind of burst into splinters, and within it is a gigantic mechanical hamster-shaped mech. (laughs) (laughs) And sitting in like a saddle on top of it is Mr. Brigham Digby, I will protect my business ventures! And his seat lowers into its body. And I need everybody to roll for initiative. Oh. <laughs> I, I do, in fact, remember this episode of Hamtaro, so I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Little hamsters, big mech suits. <laughs> this is our, our punishment for not having followed your, uh, <laughs> your breadcrumbs. Well, no, it just became the joke then. After oh, yeah. you just kept not. Well, after you kind of, after you kind of denied the the hook the first time, yeah. I'm like, I'm just gonna keep dropping hints that it's going on. I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's like the it's like the my cabbages guy from Avatar. <laughs> right. We, we gotta kill this guy now. Yeah, I think we gotta. This is what the game is going to turn into. This is the end. Anybody higher than a twenty? No. Uh, yes, no. twenty-one. Wow. Don't speak for everybody's saker. It's not all about you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 15 to 20? No. 10 to 15? 10. And what would we get? Nine. Okay, Ravnus, you're first. That's what I thought. Um, okay, so so what exactly... Ravnus doesn't know what the fuck is going on, I don't think. <laughs> Does she, like, understand that they're being threatened? Like, Yes, he retracts into this giant mechanical hamster, and the hamster begins charging at you guys. Okay, so Ravnus is going to uh, put down the box of cinder shard that she's carrying. Um, <laughs> and then she's going to pull out her sword and charge at him. Alrighty. And try to swing at him if she still has, like, actions. Yep, you that. can get to him with just your movement. Okay, trying to remember how to play this game. <laughs> so she's swinging her longsword. That is a 10. A 10 does not hit it. Okay, but she does have extra attack. Yes. So she gets to try that again. That's marginally better. It's a 13. That exactly hits it. Oh, nice. Ooh. Okay. So I rolled a six, so that goes down to a d4 next time. So that'd be six plus one plus six would be 13 damage. Okay. And that gets knocked down to a d4. Yeah, that's with your psychic strike, and then your psychic died. Yes, so the big purple psionic flames come bursting out of her sword, and she swings once and misses and swings again and hits it and does more psionic damage. Yeah, as you like thrust the sword into the mechanical movement moving parts, the flames kind of ignite and the parts are like forced apart with this psionic burst of energy away from the blade, kind of exploding outward. You see the metal. Yep. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and you see this this big lumbering creature is kind of made out of these mishmashed like it's it looks very gnomish built um like many parts might have been salvaged off of a gnomish ship and, and kind of mishmailed together in this vague hamster shape its head is large uh and you can make out like Mr. Brigham Digby inside of a cockpit like behind its eyes and it has these big metal incisors and it even looks mm-hmm. like it has expandable cheeks that are made out of like segmented metal plates 
Well, he really commits to a theme, huh? <laughs> he likes his hamsters. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got to have hobbies. <laughs> and it is actually its turn, and it is going to attempt to bite you, Ravnus. Oh, okay. Uh, that's going to be a 19 to hit you. Uh, yeah, that hits. You take 19 piercing Jesus. damage. Ow! And you need to make a athletics check or an acrobatics check. Mm, okay. Um, I'm going to do athletics. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, and that's natural one. Natural ones. (laughs) Okay, you are grappled. And actually, it's going to use its other attack to just tuck you in a cheek pouch. It brings its metal claws up and grabs you and just goes bloop and shoves you past its incisors into this, like, expanding metal, like, sack of a cheek. And you are now um, blinded and restrained. Oh, boy. As it just stuffs you into its left cheek. All right. Well, <laughs> good luck, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Without Ravnus? Yeah, we're, we're fucked. If this brings down the party, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> All right, so I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> we can just leave. It's fine. <laughs> Marco, it's your turn. <laughs> so looking at this, can I make a check to see if he can hear me in this thing? Um, It, it looks like he can, probably could. Okay. Good. Like, you can see him in the cockpit inside this. He just has, like, full cover for range attacks, which means it can't be attacked directly by an attacker spell. Um, so, I mean, that stands to reason that, like, AoE things would probably work. Okay. Um, or anything that forces a save. Yeah, so I'm going to sprint up to him, because at this point now, um, I got a couple of tricks, but my first one is, Mr. Digby, um... Can we please talk this out like civilized people? As a better here, let me tell you a joke. Actually, um, so a gnome, a halfling, and a half orc walk into a bar. Uh, I kind of forget how the middle part goes, but the punchline is feathers everywhere, and that's not my peanut butter. I cast Tasha's hideous laughter on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's a, w- a wisdom save. That's only gonna be an eight. An eight. He fails, so he falls prone. Okay, well, he's in the cockpit of this thing, so he doesn't fall prone, but he is laughing uncontrollably. I'm attempting to make him stop, like, using the machine for long enough for us to stop him. Right. That was So, So he's incapacitated now? That is correct. So, yeah, that means he can't take actions or reactions. It does take his actions to operate the machine. So, while he is incapacitated in the cockpit, he still can't properly operate. Good. That is what I was aiming for. Um, he can, he gets a wisdom save at the end of his turn, or if he takes damage. Okay. You have about three <laughs> seconds, because that joke wasn't that funny. <laughs> and you just see him in the cockpit, he just goes, <laughs> and then, like, the whole hamster just kind of, like, convulses slightly as he's laughing into the controls. Ravnus, you hear his laugh echoing through the chamber that you're in, and feel the whole structure kind of shake around, uh, around you. That is unpleasant, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. Luckbeak, oh. it's your turn. Uh, Nick, real quick, just a clarification question. Yeah. Um, Ravnus is currently, like, in the machine, right? Like, being held by the machine. Yes. She has total cover as well within it. You can't see her at all. Okay. Like, you see where she is at in the machine, but you cannot directly see her either. Okay, just making sure. If I were to cast Flaming Sphere in this thing and turn it into an oven, Ugh. I'd be cooking Ravnus too, so cool. You could probably, because it is a large enough creature that you could probably direct your flaming sphere in such a way that you avoided her. Mm, okay. Something to keep in mind, but thanks for the clarification. No problem. Luckily. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look like out, like the door out of the warehouse and then I'm going to like, 
and then I'm going to think about just in my head, I have this very quick like daydream about Ravnus handing me another hair and I like detect thoughts and it's me leaving her to die in this, this hamster's <laughs> mouth. And then I, 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 I close my eyes and, and pump myself up and then bolt out from whatever I'm hiding behind uh, and run up to the hamster and attempt to tug her out, seeing that it's incapacitated momentarily. Okay. You can't see any of, like, she's completely enclosed oh, inside one of its cheeks. then I'm reaching my damn little flippers in like a dumb shit <laughs> and just feeling around in there. Yeah. Aww. You need to make an athletics check. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will. I mean, if it, I may even, if I can't feel anything, stick my, my head in there and go, Ravis! <laughs> athletics. That's a 15. That is not enough, Ugh. unfortunately. Okay. Um, you reach in and you kind of like can just barely feel like the seam of the like mechanism that is like closing her into that like pouch, and you yank on it, and the metal like, a little bit, but it doesn't give. Uh, I'm. However, I will say this: on Ravnus's turn, you doing that will give her advantage on her strength check to burst herself out. Great. Uh, so we're counting that as, uh, the help action then. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's my bonus action anyway. So that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Is just... I, I will say you rolled high enough that it counts towards that. Yeah. I was going to say um, if, if I didn't get her out with a 15, there's not much else you can count on luck beak for in this specific <laughs> scenario. I mean, you, you could, you could attack the mech. No, I guess I could. Yeah. It's not going to kill a person. So yeah, I could do that. So, Ravnus, you hear Luckbeak shout your name into this Ravis. thing's mouth. And boy, can I not wait to put, like, an echoey metal effect on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you see the, the tips of his little clawed flipper fingers trying to pull on the mechanism holding you in place. So it'd be as your action, you can attempt either an athletics or an acrobatics check to wriggle your way out. Right. Uh, yeah, she's going to try that athletics check with advantage. With advantage. Okay, um, that is going to be a 17. 17 is enough. Hey. Oh, uh, nice. Between Luckbeak kind of prying down the one side of it, and you kind of like shift your position around to put your feet deeper inward and shove with your feet so your back presses against the mechanism, you hear the metal, and you flop out into its mouth and slide past its giant incisors, landing prone in front of it. And Luckbeak, I would imagine when that happens, you flop backwards and land prone next to her. Definitely. It's now its turn. It gets a save. That is correct. At the end of its turn, wisdom save. Okay. So it's still laughing. That was a natural one. <laughs> oh! <laughs> So, okay, here's what happens. He's still laughing in the cockpit, and you see this thing kind of convulsing. And as it does so, he bumps one of the controls with his elbow while he's laughing. And the whole thing lurches sideways into a nearby container. And I would like somebody to roll me a D8. That would be a two. Okay, so... The crate that it knocks into is one that has the emblem of the Salvagers Guild. And as this thing lurches into it and shatters the crate, you hear the sound of pottery breaking and clay fragments spill out. And Marco, you recognize this as what probably was a bunch of Kratorian pottery. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, that was specifically to hurt Marco. Nicely done. <laughs> oh, and yeah. all right, now I just have to kill him. <laughs> 
it's either it's either him or yourself at this point. Well, unfortunately, someone has to pay for this, Mr. Digby. So Stefan may have started it, but Marco's going to finish it. <laughs> Fuck, Marco, uh, it's your turn now. That is not what Marco is going to do. Um, Marco looks down at his friends, looks back to Brigham Digby. Hmm, I might regret this. I'm going to drop hideous laughter. Okay. To free him and say, "Sir, Mr. Digby's." Diggies, whatever your name is. It's Mr. Brigham Digby. Mr. Brigham Digby, whatever our friend did, I'm sure he's sorry. Maybe if you come out, we can work this out so no more blood or pottery is spilt or broken. Let's <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk like civilized people. We're not going to hurt you. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, make a persuasion check with disadvantage. That's fair. All right, neither of those were particularly good. That's a seven. Uh, as he's like still catching his breath from laughing so hard. You're just trying to stop me. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's Luckbeak's turn. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just going to like try to pull Ravenous to her feet. Um, and then like, let's just, oh, let's just go. Why, why? We don't have to bother with this guy. He's, he's nuts. Um, is, is he blocking the door at all? Sort of. Okay. <laughs> He's not directly blocking it, but you do have to go that. All right. Uh, I'm going to say, all right, if this works, just just leapfrog him. Uh, and I'm going to attempt to shoot a crossbow bolt into the uh, the kind of the knee of the mech to gum up the works there. Okay. Go ahead and roll to attack. It is disadvantaged for being a called shot. Yeah. However, you could aim to negate it. I will aim to negate it. I always forget I have that. That's a yeah. uh, bonus action for me, correct? Yes. Yes. That's part of your cunning action. Yes. Okay, I'm aiming with my bonus action, and then I'm taking a shot. Ooh, all right, 22. 22. Yeah, that hits it. Okay. So I would say instead of damage, you will take like 10 off of its speed. You think that's sure. fair? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Works for me. Yeah, so you hit it, and it slides through the metal bleeding and looks like it hits a rubber pneumatic hose. There's a as steam starts pouring out, and you see the whole thing slump sideways. All right, go, go, go. Ravnus, it is your turn. Um, Ravnus is probably still very surprised by uh, the events that took place, particularly that Luckbeak, you know, helped pull her out. But uh, so what she's trying to do is like vault on it a little bit to like knock it over on her way sure. out. Um, I'll say go ahead and make an athletics check. And this is against the mech. Okay. Um, that is going to be a 19. It got a 21. Oh. So you, you attempt to do that and it doesn't even give at all. <laughs> Uh, can she still like keep going or does she just sort of stop there yeah but it did take some of your movement to do that so you're not out of the building but you are past it right um yeah she's gonna probably linger by the door honestly to make sure the other two get out sure it's its turn so it's now crippled uh somewhat and you see mr brigham digby inside is like kind of incensed no i've worked too hard you won't stop me. <laughs> and uh, he lurches the thing forward towards you, Luckbeak. Mm -hmm. 13 to hit. That's a hit. Uh, 19 piercing damage as it bites you. Oh, boy. And you need to make a acrobatics or athletics check. Okay. Uh, I'll make acrobatics. 14. 14 is just barely enough. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. You slip out of its grasp, so it does not nom you. It wasn't me. Not all Doar look alike. <laughs> It's going to try and claw at you. Uh, however, that's that's only going to be a 12. That hits. My AC is 12. Oh, it is 12. Yeah. Shit. 
Uh, that's 11 more slashing damage. I am down. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Uh, Marco, it's your turn. All right, so for Marco's turn, realizing that the Cinder Shard crate is still there, he is going to attempt to pick up the Cinder Shard crate and run with it to the exit. Well, you see you see Luckbeak get knocked <laughs> unconscious. No, oh, that, shit, totally, he's down. that totally yeah, he's tracks down. for Marco. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. Yeah, I'm going to... Um... This is just what happened to Hannah. <laughs> all right. He gathers up all the pottery shards and runs out. <laughs> runs Look at up. the cinder shard for like, Luckbeak. Kicks Luckbeak away. Like, get this out of the way. Luckbeak is in his way on the way out, so he kicks him aside. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> Oh no, I stepped in shit. <laughs> uh, if that is the case, please let me backtrack that because I, I, mi- I missed the part where you said that you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that is fine. That's he fine. would not do that. He's not, he's not that <laughs> narrow minded. Um, Marco is going to run over, like try to get in between this creature and Luckbeak. You know, stay away from my friends, you son of a bitch, and cast Flaming Sphere at it. Okay. Uh, has to make a dexterity saving throw. Are you targeting the mech or are you targeting the pilot? I am targeting the mech. Okay. That is going to be a 15. That is going to pass. It doesn't look very dexterous at all, but he has managed to jerk on the controls just enough to avoid the bulk of the damage. The flames still hit the metal, but it doesn't hit anything vital. Yeah, I guess after that, I'm just going to shout like, are you happy? Are you going to be a murderer because of this? Leave him alone. <laughs> Luckbeak, make a death saving throw. Let me make that throw. Whoa. That's a natural one. Oh, oh no! no. Oh, there's That's two in two the wrong fails. direction. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, I got the aloe. I'm. <laughs> no matter what, <laughs> you're gonna get aloe. Put that in my mouth. <laughs> I would rather die. <laughs> Luckbeak is just like, no, let me go. No, go away, Marco. <laughs> Yeah, Ravnus, it's your turn. You turn around and see that Luckbeak is down. 15 to Luckbeak immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Ravnus and Marco, you see this familiar sensation of the immediate surroundings around you turn opaque to reveal this starry void. And you see the tethers of energy connect between the three of you and you can almost watch the energy siphon itself from Ravnus into Luckbeak. Luckbeak, you immediately heal 15 hit points and you are now conscious. Oh, thank you. All of your feathers are sticky on the one side because you're laying in a pool of your own blood. Right. Um, And then it just, your vision snaps back to normal. And that's just a bonus, right? Nope, that's an action. Oh, that's an action? Um, Yeah. Ravnus is going to run back to her friends then. Okay. You can action surge if you want, though. Okay, yeah. Uh, she is going to do that, because this hamster fight is deceptively deadly. Um, she's, <laughs> she's going Maybe if to... you would have followed the clues earlier. <laughs> Listen, we didn't want to do the hamster B-plot, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so, okay. She is going to flaming sword this uh, hamster mech again. Um, that's a natural one. So for her second oh attack, God. uh, that is a lot better. That's a 19. Uh, that does it. And, uh, no more psionics because I rolled a four, four plus six mm. plus seven is 17. Nicholas, why did you make this so hard? <laughs> but you take 17 damage. 
17 damage. Yeah, you exhaust the last of your psionic energy. And she's like placed herself between the mech and Luckbeak and Marco. So now it's a line of like Luckbeak, Marco, and then Ravnus. Oh, the fact that Ravnus is fighting for Luckbeak, he's like, he comes to consciousness and starts to tear up a little bit. Like, (laughs) (laughs) this will make a nice hair memory. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, It is the mech's turn. Um, it's going to try to monch you. That is going to be a 13? 13, no. Then it's going to try and claw at you. That is a... That's less. On the end of the mech's turn, it's going to make a save against the flaming sphere. That is going to be a 14? A 14 meets it, yep. Meets? Okay. So that's no damage? It's half damage. Oh, it would have taken half damage on the first one then, too. Yeah, shit. So just go ahead and roll full damage, and it'll take full damage this time. Five. Uh, it is now Marco's turn. All right. I think that I'm going to try to drag Luckbeak away, and then we're going to go bowling. Okay. Dexterity saving throw as I yeet it at him. Sure. It's a bonus action to direct the Flaming Sphere, though? Correct. Okay. Yeah, you could totally do that. Then I use my action, yeah, to drag my boy. Yep. yep. Can do. You can move him half your movement away from the mech. So that's okay. 15 feet. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and make another Dexterity saving throw, mech. Okay. Ooh, that's a five. Then that is a fail. Rolling, and that is going to be six damage. Okay, so yeah, the sphere barrels itself into the mechanical body of this giant hamster, and there's a sizzling sound as like leather and like the soft components of this thing begin to fry and boil, and you see even the edges of the metal parts begin to look like they soften and start to turn red under the heat as you do some damage to this thing. All right, Luckbeak, you're getting dragged away, and it is now your turn. You're still prone, but Marco is dragging you away. Now. Yeah, um, can I, I can shoot from prone, correct? Yeah. yeah, actually, it would give you advantage shooting from prone because oh. you're more stable wow. with the crossbow. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, then I am going to um, I'm going to try and shoot the other knee to give Ravnus a little more uh, way to get out of here. Okay, it works the same way as before. Advantage cancels out regardless of how many there are on each side. So even if you aim, it'd just be a normal roll. Got it. Okay, so I'll just normal roll. There's another 22. Holy shit. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah, that that totally hits. Okay. Uh, Um, Ravnus is right next to it, so you do get sneak attack. Oh, I'm lowering it by another 10. Oh, it's speed? Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, no, totally. Great. That's fine. Yeah, you shoot it and it... Another burst of pneumatic air pressure comes out of its other leg as its other shoulder dips, and it's convulsing as the mechanics strain now. Um, It looks like it still has some movement, but it's definitely been slowed. Sure. I'm just going to shout, Ravnus, get out of here. All right, Ravnus, it's your turn. Um, They're heading towards the door, right? Like Marco's dragging Luckbeak and... Like, did you stand up or did you just No, stay I just stayed prone ground? and let him drag me. <laughs> so, so like, Marco's dragging Luckbeak, I feel like, by, like, his cape, his, like, little purple cape. <laughs> and Luckbeak is just, like, getting dragged on his back, just aiming his crossbow. <laughs> yeah, Ravnus is going to follow them out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Ravnus, you're up fighting this thing, and uh, Marco is dragging Luckbeak away from the hamster, but it's also away from the door, deeper into the warehouse. What Marco's plan would be, he would probably be less interested in the door and more interested in Luckbeak just being away from it. But Luckbeak is telling me to go to the door? I mean, yeah. And then Marco, maybe Marco and Luckbeak can hide or something and, like, sneak their way to the exit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Ravnus is going to, on her way to the door, try to hit this thing. Sure. Gonna use both of your attacks before you even move, but you will take an attack of opportunity on your way out. Well, that happens no matter what, right? Unless you didn't attack at all and you disengaged instead. She kind of wants it to follow her, I think. Okay. Towards the door. Um, Yeah, sure. Can she, like, pivot around without taking an attack of opportunity? Yeah, you only take an attack when you leave its range. Okay, yeah, she's gonna pivot around it. And then attack. Okay. With no psionics. <laughs> uh, that's a 12, which I think misses. Yes, it does. So then she's going to try again with another 12, which also misses. Nope. Yep. As you move around, your sword glances off of it. Neat. Are you still running towards the door? Um, she's, she's staying close enough that she can like get back to it if she needs to, but she is like... You're pulling out of its range, though. Yeah. So it is going to kind of pivot and try to bite you as you leave. Okay. Ooh, that is going to be a 23 to hit. If somehow that hits, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is another 19 piercing damage. Uh, yeah, she's unconscious. Are you oh, happy, no. Nick? Are you oh. happy about your little hamster man? <laughs> Holy shit. She drops like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> it stuffs your unconscious body into its cheek. Nice. Oh my gosh. This is the hardest fight we've ever had. <laughs> 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 okay. So it tucks you into its cheek, and it turns um, at keep the me others. Safe. Oh, how sweet. And yeah. it is going to barrel towards the two of you. Um, however, I'm going to roll to see how steady this is, since not only is it slowed, I'm going to say it's also unstable um, because of the damage Luckbeak did to its legs. So I'm just going to make a quick dexterity check for it, which it's already bad at. Uh, yeah, it's barreling towards you, but it kind of careens to the left and smashes into one of the large crates. Um, and as it does so, you see about a dozen giant grizzly bear-sized hamsters pour out of this shipping container-sized crate and begin scattering throughout the warehouse. Oh. With their adorable squeaks. <laughs> Because they they pour out of this thing, see the giant mecha space hamster, and just go, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, same. I feel it. Actually, since it did that, it did not actually get within range of either of you. So that is actually going to complete its turn. However, Ravnus is unconscious and tucked inside of it. Marco. All right. Um, first off, bonus action. Flaming sphere right up its pooper. Or I guess it's exhaust port. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both are appropriate. Dexterity saving throw. Sure thing. That is a five. Mm -hmm. All right. That is a solid eight. Eight. Oh, boy. Marco is going to put down Luckbeak as he is currently alive. And I'm going to use my head link to give Ravnus points. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you want to give? I am at 26. I'm going to give 10 and go down to 16. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because (laughs) for the first time you've done this, you can't see Ravnus right now. But the link still works. Hmm. And you, you, again, your vision for all three of you goes that opaque and you see the starry void again. And there's that connection and you channel 10 of your hit points into Ravnus. Ravnus, <laughs> you come to in a comfy little cocoon. And she thinks that she has died. <laughs> <laughs> you being reborn. This is the womb. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but you are now conscious, but you're blind and restrained. <laughs> Yeah, very confused. All right. Uh, Luckbeak. 
Um, and you can see that this mechanical creature is now showing considerable signs of damage and wear and tear on it. Sure. Um, so he's face down. This this creature's this this mech is face down. Uh, it's not prone because it's like quadrupedal, so it's kind of mm-hmm. hard. But it has kind of barreled to the left. Uh, into one of these crates um, and it's not like still 10 feet from you mm-hmm. um, just kind of now in the process of pushing itself out of the splinters of the cargo container that it wrecked um uh i'm going to is there a hamster around me uh there is one nearby there are several nearby sure uh, i'm going <laughs> to pull out one of the rations from session one of chapter one of tales <laughs> of the void fair Oh yeah, uh, and I'm, I, I remember that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, unwrap it and uh, and wave it under the hamster's nose. Uh huh. You see its nose twitch as it kind of looks in your direction. Its its whiskers kind of twitch as well as it you have its attention. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, like throw it so that I hope that the ration kind of splatters all over the mech. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. You're trying to you're trying to get the hamster to like go get up in the mech's way. Yeah. I I basically want the hamster to start gnawing on the mech. Sure. Yeah. I'll say make an animal handling check with advantage. Can do. Where the? F- oh, animal handling found it. Okay. <laughs> a skill that everyone uses all the time in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Okay, there's a 17. Oh, 18, actually. 18? Yes. Yeah. You kind of, like, get the thing's attention, waving it over your head, like Jeff Goldblum waving the flare in mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, and it looks at you, and its eyes follow their ashen back and forth, and then you just chuck it, and it does splatter against the one-eye port of this giant mechanical hamster, and this hamster immediately runs up and crawls up on it and starts licking and gnawing <laughs> on it, completely obscuring like the one half of Mr. Brigham Digby's vision and just obstructing this thing entirely. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, um, please have Jurassic Park remade with hamsters and like Jeff Goldblum <laughs> played by Luckbeak. Yeah. That would just be so amazing. John Williams will shut us down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and I actually am gonna have the thing roll an attack against it, and yeah, he does he does three piercing damage to the mech. Okay, probably more than I would have done. <laughs> uh, all right, Ravness. Um, she is going to try to make an athletics check to sure GTFO this hamster. Mm-hmm. Can do. Uh, fifteen. Uh, that is not quite enough. Oh. <laughs> She just wiggles uselessly inside the hamster. Yeah, as you strain yourself, uh, what the one of the wounds you've just received kind of twinges uh, painfully, uh, and you're unable to get enough force to force yourself out. It's its turn. Lumbering up to Marco and Luckbeak, uh, the hamster in front of it is kind of keeping it from biting at you guys, but it's going to try and swipe at you. Um, however, it's going to do so with disadvantage because it's effectively blinded with this big furry mass <laughs> in front of its face. That's a three. And that's a natural one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as it's swiping, it swipes uh, one of its claws over top of you and misses, and then turns with the other side and swipes and misses again but on the recoil hits one of the other nearby crates. Um, and uh, Luckbeak or Marco, whichever, roll another d8 for me. I got you. Uh, we got six. Okay, yeah. You, <laughs> uh, this is a crate that uh, you recognize as uh, having the seal of the Seekers on it. And as it <laughs> smashes, 
you see this like amorphous floating creature come out of it with these like kind of jelly-like tentacles um marco you would probably i i I don't even think you need to roll you've heard about these this is a flump oh my god yeah it it floats out and it looks around each side and just go and flies away terrified oh it's a (laughs) flying spaghetti monster i'm looking it up right now (laughs) yeah it it looks like the flying spaghetti monster oh Oh, they're gonna have to wrangle that later (laughs) uh marco it's your turn all right bonus action ramming with the flaming sphere first Dexterity saving throw. Yep. That is a nine. A nine. That is a fail. And that is going to be ten damage. Ten damage. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, this thing is not looking good. As you ram the flaming spear into it now, you see that the metal plates begin to disform and warp from the heat, and the internal workings begin to catch fire a little bit as the flames kind of begin pouring around the seams as it makes contact with this flaming sphere. Sir, would you please surrender? You're going to lose this. Make a persuasion check. All right. Uh, ah, damn, that is a 21. Wow. 21. Um... Like, as the, the whole thing shudders from the impact of your flaming sphere, and there's this giant hamster gnawing on the face of this mech, there's a pause, and the whole mech's just weight just kind of shifts backward. And you just see, uh, you just kind of hear, like, a soft sobbing <laughs> <laughs> coming from within. Uh... Luckbeak, are you doing anything? I mean, is is the the mech isn't moving anymore or reacting? No, the, no, it seems like the mech is not moving. Uh, but Ravenous is still in there. Yeah, Ravenous is still in there. Um, then I'm going to uh uh, kind of like before, just kind of uh, uh uh huddle over there and and try to pull her out. Sure. Um, go ahead and make an athletics check. Okay. And again, this will probably just more or less end up giving Ravenous advantage. Seven. Yeah. So less. Ravnus, you could still yeah, you could still <laughs> roll with advantage though. Especially right. since this thing has stopped moving. Uh that is two fifteens for a twenty-two. Yeah, you do it. You force open the cheek pouch and the jaws kind of open slightly and you're able to flop yourself, not gracefully in the slightest, but you flop yourself out. <laughs> The rhino birthing scene from Ace Ventura, <laughs> honestly. Oh. Uh, yeah, so um, the mech is no longer moving, and you just hear this man just kind of sobbing quietly to himself in the cockpit. Um, but we are out of rounds. Uh, let's leave. <laughs> I do not want to talk to this man anymore. <laughs> uh, Ravnus looks kind of disoriented. Um, are you okay, Ravnus? I'm... Let's just go. The space hamsters kind of like spread out in the warehouse. You kind of look around and see there's like one nibbling on the corner of a crate over there. One has crawled itself up on top of a giant stack of pallets over there. You know. Mm -hmm. Adorable. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Big grizzly bear sized cuties. (laughs) You know, um, I do recall somebody saying that they were willing to offer a sizable reward for the return of these things. How many escaped from that crate? It was about a dozen, but it doesn't look like they've left the warehouse. Their return or information where they are. Good question, actually. I'm not really sure, but uh, maybe the information will suffice, because I don't know if we're going to get bear-sized hamsters out of this building. Yeah, I, I don't want to stick around for, you know, 
possibility that this guy might come to some sort of senses and 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 start this mech up again. So let's just hope information's enough. <laughs> Are you just gonna leave Mister Brigham Digby sobbing in his mech? <laughs> That's where he belongs. Yeah. <laughs> Say, you deserved everything that happened to you and leave. Uh, at that point, the, the warehouse worker walks back in and goes, what the fuck happened in here? You, I, I do the gesturing thing that I did before. <laughs> <laughs> he was open in the crate. Yeah. I, was <laughs> <laughs> I tried to warn you. <laughs> he's going to blow past you guys and like look around just with his hands like up in defeat just uh with no words <laughs> uh marco has the cinder shard box right yeah dragging it pretty much <laughs> um ravenous is going to try to pop the top to make sure it's actually what's in there and they don't have to like keep coming back here because it's the wrong thing Right. Uh, you, you can do that. And it is a bunch of cut pieces of cinder shard. Uh, she points to them, to Marco, and she says, are these real? Um, do I need to make a check for that, Nick? Nope. You can tell that they are, in fact, genuine. They have this faint arcane glow to them. This is the real deal. We're good. All right. And she uh, closes the box back up and takes it back from Marco. Oh, thank you. And starts heading for the door. <laughs> yep. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, you lug the box all the way to Voidfarer Cove, and Val will kind of meet you on the deck. Ah, oh, that's it then. Yep. Yeah, that's it. By the gods, what happened to you three? Was there trouble? Hamster. Hamsters. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a real long story, Val. Ravnish just puts the box down and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And she says, oh, all right, I was actually just... Finishing, uh, making arrangements for our next job. She says, gesturing back to the cabin quarters where you see a recognizable dwarven figure of Brawla Iron Dust, captain of Tishra's Pride. Ah. Step out onto the deck. Yes, uh, Brawla here, um, came to apologize for her lack of communication, <laughs> um, regarding what happened to our shipment, but I informed her that, uh, she'll have her ship and cargo back to her soon. Um, and it's uh, no harm, no foul, I suppose. However, um, as a favor, um, since they are unable to uh, complete the obligations that they had next arranged, since their ship won't be returned to them for another few days, um, we have offered to take it up in their stead. And uh, Brawla will step up. Oi! We were supposed to uh, deliver a shipment to a mining installation on a nearby moon, a moon of the Afat King by the name of the Vizier. Uh, since we're unable to fill that obligation, uh, Val here agreed to take us up on it so our reputation can remain unscathed. And Val will nod and says, Yes, and uh, the Moonhammer Mining Company pays very well, in fact. Um, so uh, it appears that uh, we're doing... Tishra's pride a favor, and also, um, and to be quite, uh, fruitful ourselves. All right. Do we have any more orders for tonight, Val, or what does that mean? Just an off night for us? Yes, uh, I suppose enjoy the last night of your shore leave. Okay. Well, thank you so much, then. Um, I think we could probably all do with some rest and relaxation. <laughs> Maybe a painkiller or two. <laughs> <laughs> Some green jelly. <laughs> green jelly and ice knife. It's all you need. <laughs> it's all you need.
everyone, Nick Urasiva here, your Dungeon Master and CEO of Giant Space Pet Store. The only place to get your Giant Space Puppies, Giant Space Kittens, Giant Space Goldfish, and of course, Giant Space Hamsters. We don't do Giant Space Reptiles, though. Seen enough shitty B-movies to know how that turns out. Thanks for listening to this Chapter 3 finale episode. We'll be taking another short break before we start Chapter 4, but don't worry, the next episode in two weeks will be another Voidfarer Uncharted, where the whole cast sits down and chats about the story so far and answers your questions. You can send us those questions to any of our social medias, and we might read them on the show. That's at Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. We're also kicking around the idea of doing another special one-shot, so stay tuned about that. Don't forget to equip yourself with Quest Essential Voidfarer clothing and equipment from your conveniently located inventory screen at bit.ly slash derailed shop. If you're not listening to Fables Around the Table curse yet, you really should fix that. The finale is next week. Fables Around the Table is our new anthology tabletop actual play podcast. We will be playing a different RPG and telling different self-contained stories each chapter. Chapter 1 features the supernatural horror RPG The Curse of the House of Rookwood by Nerdy Pup Games. It's GM'd by our very own Fiona L.F. Kelly, and I'm also one of the players. And there'll be some other familiar voices along the way as well. Follow at Table Fables Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Table Fables Pod on Twitter for more details. And stick around to the end of the episode for a trailer. This episode is once again brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Those fine people at Podgo are providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too, if you want. Apply today and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And if you apply, let them know those cool people at Voidfarer sent you. Lastly, let's talk about Wave. Wave makes it easy to convert any audio clip into nifty video, perfect for promotion on your social media platforms. Upload a sound file, add artwork, add an animated waveform, and it even generates captions for you. If you sign up for a plan using our affiliate link, bit.ly slash you'll also be supporting the show. So thanks for that. Link in the show notes. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for our theme song and other original music, with additional music provided by purple-planet.com. We'll be back on Tuesday, July 21st with that Voidfarer Uncharted episode, so we'll see you then. So, a drink at the cradle? Yeah, absolutely. Ravnus? Sure. You guys uh, trek back up to Kindori's cradle? So, as we're heading back, um, Marco is actually going to say, as we're kind of walking our way through the uh, through the hallways, Ravnus, I have a question. What? You've been a little odd for some time now towards me. What? And you had another comment that was also kind of odd about me leaving you all. Is there something that I miss that I, that's going on? Um, Ravenous is going to think about this for a second, and then she says, What do you value? Well, um, I value knowledge. I value making a difference in the world. I value uncovering secrets. Um, I, I suppose those are probably what i'd value most why don't you value people <laughs> um 
it's not that I don't. Um, I very much I very much value people. Um, I'm obviously not some evil villain who's going to go around stabbing people. Did I give you the impression that I was? You left your friend. Wait, is this about Hannah? She just sort of shrugs at that. <laughs> that's listen. That's a different set of circumstances. I'm. I listen. Hannah is fine. She is completely fine back on Toril. I guarantee it. If even if we went back there right now, she is living a happy, wonderful life. How do you know? Because I was a very small part of her life. All right, like you know, she she was popular. She was smart. She had friends. I mean, I was. She was the only friend I had, but I was just a small piece of her life. I guarantee you, if we go back home, she is as happy as can be. I mean, of course, of course, she is. Well, if she was your only friend, then why didn't you think about her? I did. Whenever it first happened, um, and I got jettisoned out here, I thought about her. But at the same time, I, what you need to understand is that this is um. I got teleported out here, and this was everything that I ever wanted in this world. Like, I literally got everything, and Hannah has so much going on for her back on Toril. At the end of the day, I thought that Hannah can have a fantastic life, that I was a small part of it, and I can be happy with that, and I can go out and live my dreams, and she can stay on Toril and live her dreams. Were her dreams to be on Toril? More or less, um... I think she would have loved to have seen this too, but she wasn't as gung-ho as I was. I, Hannah has a bright future ahead of her. She is smart, she's charismatic, she's capable. A wonderful person, I guarantee she's going to graduate from that college. She is going to go out and become one of the smartest people that Toril has ever seen. One of the greatest academics of her time. I have no doubt about that. Her place was there. She was happy there. I mean, I'm sure she would have liked to have come out here too, but she, she has a happy life there. And I mean, it, it's honestly probably better than I'm not in it. What about us? You all are my friends. I... Nah. This isn't a... Hmm? Nah. Sorry. I, I ain't talking about the friends thing, but... Nah, you don't get to make decisions for Hannah. That's true. I don't. You don't know what her life is now, or what it's going to be like. You ain't even tried to check in with her. This is the first time, like, Luckbeak even, like, looks back in the conversation that you two were having. He was kind of going a little bit ahead of you. No, I don't think, I don't think you get a say. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me that, that you ascribe us the same status that you ascribe to her. Because I think if, if you became a seeker who was going to leave us all, I mean, you wouldn't look back. I mean, just like you didn't look back with her, you'd assume that we were happy, and and I don't know, maybe we'd assume that you were ha happy, or or maybe we'd think about you every day, but I don't know. I, I just don't think you get to make decisions for her. I'm not making decisions for her. No, I, I tried I to go back. Now, hold on. I tried to go back. I tried my best to at least communicate and say that I was alive. I couldn't find a way to do it. I don't even know how I end up where I was. So at the end of the day, everything works out great. Back on Toril, I was a nobody. I was going to become a cloistered scholar. I was going to write a few interesting pamphlets that somebody else would have gotten famous for. And I would have died alone in a tower. Hannah already had her entire life ahead of her. She was smart. She was capable. She was driven. 
Like, she's going to go out and have an amazing life. Like, I wanted to see her. I wanted to bring her up here. I wanted to go, at least go back and say, I'm fine. Go and live your life. But I couldn't. And so I'm taking this as a, as a grain of solace that through this, she gets everything she wants. I get everything I want. I lost the only friend that I had back on Toral, but at the same time, it's, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure I didn't mean that much to her. I was just some weird loner kid at the college. I don't even know why she hang out with me. But here I'm something. I'm somebody. And I'm not just going to pack up and leave. I'll be honest with you. The Seekers aren't going to want that. They want me to come out and, and go out into the world. It works out this way. So at least out here I get to be something. And Hannah gets to be something back on Toral. Believe me, if we had a way to get back to Toral, I would at least want to at least say that I'm alive. But I'll be honest with you, probably what happened was she spent three to six months at most looking for me. And now she's happy with her friends graduating, living her best life. I'm certain of it. You're more important than that. Hmm? Hey, Marco. Hmm? What was Hannah's mom's name? Hannah's mom's name? Serenity. All right. I gotta say, I, I didn't actually expect that. What's my mom's name? I unfortunately do not know. I think we're friends, Marco, but I think that you ascribe friend in a different way. I mean, we care about you. So, you know, we want to we want to be close to you. So, so it just scares me and I don't know, clearly it scares Ravnus too that you know, you were so quick to just leave. And I understand you you tried, you tried, but I just I don't know. I don't want us to be the same level of friends that that you were with Hannah that you could just leave. We got something here, Marco. <laughs> I mean, we have a link, a, a weird one, right? So, I don't know. What am I trying to say here, Ravnus? That we're crew. All right, I like that. We're crew. So, I don't... I'm a smart person, but I don't know... I was never good with people. And it was weird that Hannah actually wanted to spend time with me, so I don't know if... If this is what friendship is, I enjoy it. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave you all behind. Good. That's good, Marco. Thank you. What's my mom's name? Do you have a mom? <laughs> Probably. Oh wait, do you not even know Ravnus? Because it only works if you could tell him. That was kind of the idea here. <laughs> I said I don't know. I was wondering if he remembered. As, that's why I was like, I I don't think you have one. He passed. Damn. It was good. I thought it was Martha. Martha! <laughs> Why'd you say that name? <laughs> I look over to Luckbeak then and be like, all right, then, um, what's your mom's name? Bandywink. Bandywink. Don't laugh. Bandywink. Uh, I'm not laughing. What's your mom's name? My mom's name was Hazel. Actually, funny story. My mom, I mean, she was she was raised to be a merchant. And, and I mean, she, I, they raised me to be a merchant, too, and I hated it. And I fought with them and fought with them and... I didn't know, this is so nuts, I didn't know my whole family was actually not merchants. They were criminals the whole time. And, and, and they, Nick, I kind of imagine that this is like me fading out as I kind of tell Marco 
the story of my parents <laughs> yeah. like yeah well as you're as you're walking as you yeah. begin to tell yeah. the story you actually hear the sounds of a raucous time happening uh, in the floorboards above in the kandori's cradle <laughs> as you reach the ladder ascending up into the tavern you hear people laughing and uh, drinking heartily and singing and dancing as you arrive is jack and tatters and scuttlebutt breaking another table <laughs> it's one a night <laughs> I start looking around to see if they're currently on top of the table. Uh, in fact, they are. <laughs> of course, nothing changes. Uh, Marco, in a gesture of what goodwill, buys you all a couple of drinks, and a couple of drinks is all it takes to put Marco under. <laughs> you have like three hit points. Oh, it hits you pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> or dances with Jack and Tatters and, uh, and Scuttlebutt on like the table. <laughs> Yeah, I like that too. I had I had two drinks and suddenly, all right, it's time to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point during the night, uh, it is uh, it's it's just um, uh, ravenous and luckbeak drinking, and or I guess luckbeak eating fruit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and luckbeak says to ravenous, um, hey hey ravenous, can I can I impose on you? Can I ask you a question? What? I was oh man, this sounds so dumb, but like. I felt like I was kind of useless in that fight earlier. I mean, I got hit real hard. Um, and y'all had to give me that life space juice like immediately. I don't know. Do you think sometime that like if you ever have extra time on the ship, I don't know. Do you think you could kind of show me the ropes of of fighting a little bit? Uh, Ravnus looks very surprised at this, and uh, she says, I can try. I, I mean, I, I don't want to hurt nobody too bad. I, I just want to be able to defend myself if I need to. You know what I mean? I think that's a good idea. All right. Um, Maybe we can start tonight? Uh, she looks down at their drinks and back at Luckbeak, and she says, sure. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start multi-classing Luckbeak into fighter. Nice. Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. That's beautiful. Is she is she probably kicked Luckbeak's ass pretty good because she's probably like starting with like here's how you like stay on your feet after you're, you know, bashed with a shield. Sure. <laughs> here's how to take a punch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Love that. After Would you like I, an ice knife? <laughs> after I almost died today, she just fucking beats the shit out of me more on the on the yeah, <laughs> yeah you, after a couple of drinks you yeah, asked and she's love like that. he clearly knows what he's getting into <laughs> okay all right so um the next morning arrives ravenous I, I i'd like to think that you went and dragged luckbeak out of bed pretty early for the start of his training um well they started training the night before oh uh, so then she's also getting him up early for yes. part two <laughs> so yes yeah <laughs> all right so, uh, Luckbeak, you're sore from the night before, and Ravnus has dragged you out of bed. So I, I say that to set up the scene because, Marco, um, you wake up the next morning planning on going down to the Tillage Ward to visit the hamster rancher to inform him on the whereabouts of his missing hamsters. And as you walk out onto the deck, you see Ravnus and uh, Luckbeak sparring Luckbeak is moving super <laughs> sluggishly, already like bruises, kind of if, if feathers could bruise, I guess. <laughs> his feathers his feathers are like disheveled and sticking up in odd ways, and it's really early and he already looks like he's over it. <laughs> oh, what are you two doing? Luckbeak wants to know how to fight. I need to learn how oh. to defend myself, Marco. Hit me again. 
she kicks him as hard as she can. Oh, oh, oh why no. did I ask for that? I'm gonna cast Ice Knife into my hand, take Luckbeak's like flipper, and just put the thing in and slap it against his like cheek where there's a bruise. <laughs> oh. Take care of yourself, okay? Hey, thanks. All right. Stab Ravnus. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I'm giving him a fighting chance. <laughs> Marco, you head down to the Tillage Ward. Um, you you kind of walk your way through and get to the weird Ferris wheel lift that takes you to the other side of the gravity plane. It is disorienting as the platform you're standing on flips itself over, so the whole world spins around you, even though you're staying pretty steadily standing on a pretty stationary platform. But you do prefer it way more than the leap of faith that needs to happen when walking down to Voidfarer Cove. And you get down to the Tillage Ward. It's not hard to ask around, and you find that the only giant hamster ranch on Nadir Anchorage is the Pinkfoot Giant Hamster Ranch. I'm going to head up and look for anybody that looks to be official. Yeah, you walk up and you see that, again, the Tillage Ward is these large, leafy, like, platforms. Giant green shelves, basically made out of these gargantuan leaves with uh, rows of plants and trees and stuff set up all around this dirt spread across. And you see typical scenery of a farming area you know fences and little ranch uh farmhouses and stuff scattered around um as you approach the pinkfoot ranch you see that there are large pastures set up which are all empty at the moment (laughs) and a small lopsided house with a chimney that is about three times taller than the houses itself that takes these odd angles that looks like it's truly defying gravity and there's a sign uh hanging over an archway that uh is over the laneway if you will uh, and says, uh, Pinkfoot Ranch. You walk up and knock on the door. Yeah, I walk up, just enjoying the scenery, because this is beautiful, comparatively speaking, to what I have been seeing. Yeah. Now, the sky is still black and starry, as it is everywhere, but light from the dual suns is shedding a warm light. Makes total sense. Um, yeah, I'm just going to walk up to the door and just kind of, like, hit it gingerly, because I'm afraid it's going to fall down. <laughs> this house is clearly built for gnomes. The The door frame is probably at your chin level. Um, Okay, knocked uh, down gingerly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the door will creak open and it goes, Hello! Oh, d- um, h- hello there. Um, are you the owner of this establishment? Why, yes, I am! Photopus Pinkfoot, at your service. Um, Mr. Pinkfoot, I do believe I overheard you saying the other day that some of your giant hamsters had gone missing. Why, yes, do you know something about that? I do, actually. Um, while I was collecting some of my wares from Warehouse 42... I happened to notice that there were a large number of very gigantic hamsters um, in a couple of the crates down there. Uh, some of them, it would appear, have escaped. However, it looked like there was about 40-some about in total. And I kind of figured I would pass the information along to you. Uh, uh, yes, yes, uh, that, that is about uh, as many as we lost. Uh, I, I will look into this right away. Um, if... if... What you claim is true, um, how might I contact you for your reward? Oh, um, I'm not doing anything at the moment. Why don't we head down to the warehouse together? If you verify it, then we can, um, decide an arrangement. Perfect, let's go right now. Uh, he goes to leave the door and goes, Honey, I'm going to get our babies back! (laughs) (laughs) And he will leave with you. Alright. Uh, yeah, we head back to Warehouse 42. 
Sure. You head back up to the mooring ward and go to Warehouse 42, and uh, you go into the office, and you see a very tired and exasperating-looking worker. It's the same one, the attendant that was there the night before. Hello there. Oh, you were here yesterday. Uh, yes, collecting the sender shard when the unfortunate Mr. Rigby or the... I don't know, the, the talented Mr. Ripley or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been an absolute headache. How how can I help you? Oh, um, I do believe this is the owner of the gigantic hamsters that were in oh, some of the Oh, thank crates. God, they are shitting everywhere <laughs> and chewing on everything. The, the little gnome excitedly nods and goes, Yes, that sounds exactly like them! <laughs> Please, just get them out of here. The gnome kind of pushes his way back into the warehouse, and you see that these hamsters are now everywhere. They have it doesn't look like any of them have escaped the actual warehouse. Um, you do see that there's the remains of the mech still there, but Mr. Brigham Digby is nowhere in sight. And the gnome kind of walks up and sees the remains and kind of goes, Oh, that explains what happened to all the parts from the Whatchamacall back. The Whatchamacall. That bastard looted it before he left it adrift in space. So Mr. Digby stole this from you. I don't know anything about a Mr. Digby, but he went by the name Stefan Monceau. Oh, well, such a shame. I'm, I'm s certain that he was a very bad, bad man. Hopefully he can be brought to justice. Well, if I hear anything else about this Stefan Monceau, I will certainly make sure that he is brought to justice. Mr. Pinkfoot is going to kind of stand there, do a once over and kind of counting... Yep, they all seem to be accounted for, and uh, actually one of them is going to bound up to him and, like, nuzzle against him, and he kind of, like, hugs it, his arms just getting lost in the fluff of fur. Aww. And he scratches behind the, the hamster's ears with both hands. Well, it appears a reward is in order. We don't have a whole lot of gold at the moment, but this is what we can spare, and he hands you a pouch. Oh, um... But perhaps I can also offer you something else i have to say that i'm certainly intrigued sir uh and he'll reach into another pocket and pull out what looks like a leather collar and he's like i can give you this and you can have your pick of any of these and he gestures to the hamsters oh my <laughs> um well that just sounds delightful thank you so much for your generosity sir um i'm gonna find you know what i'm gonna find the runt of the litter okay uh <laughs> the quote-unquote smallest one yeah you do find one that is seems a little bit smaller um, his, his fur doesn't seem to be as kind of full and floofy and he's actually m missing a little chunk from his ear. Aww. Maybe. Uh, and actually, uh, it is the one that Luckbeak got to attack the, Yay. the mech. My boy. Hey. Mr. Pinkfoot goes, ah, yes, that's a good pick. Um, you're free to name him whatever you like. We don't, since we are breeding for selling, we try not to name them ourselves. So we don't get more attached than we already are. You understand. And you can take this, and he hands you the collar. It's a large leather strap collar that looks like it will fit around the hamster's neck. And he says, that's actually magic. Oh, really? Yeah, you can use the collar and speak its command words to shrink the giant space hamster down to the size of a miniature giant space hamster and back again. Oh my goodness, that is quite effective. Fantastic. Real quick, Nick, do you remember what Hannah's familiar's name was? Hannah's familiar's name was Tashi. Tashi? Mm -hmm. Aww. Then guess what this hamster's name for That's me? That's adorable. You leave her and now you're stealing her pet's names. How could you, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yep. <laughs> I think uh, Tashi will be a fantastic name for this little guy. And he's going to give him a little scratch behind the ears and put the collar on. Yeah. Tashi nuzzles you with his, uh, his giant uh, twitching nose and just... 
and his whiskers kind of tickle your face. Uh, Mr. Pinkfoot, it has been a pleasure meeting you. I hope to see you again the next time I'm here in the Deer Anchorage. Anytime. Thank you so much for your help. Oh, and the caller's command word is squeakers. Squeakers. <laughs> and when you say that, uh, Tashi just goes, whoop, and drops down to the size of a normal hamster. Squeakers. <laughs> Back to the grizzly bear-sized hamster. All right, I am beyond ecstatic to get this back to the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Best of luck to you. Have a good one, Mr. Pinkfoot. You as well! This whole subplot was just a ploy to give you guys a giant space (laughs) hamster. Mm -hmm. A very mass effect of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Marco, as you're heading back to Kandori's Cradle, I presume, a small fluttering thing kind of flies down to you. Uh, and it kind of lands, and you instinctively open your hand, and it falls into it. And what it is, is it is actually an origami owl. Oh, um, would I know what this, I, I know what this is, but would, would Mark know what this is? You, you probably would. Um, I open it up to see what the note says. Yeah, it says, Marco, at your earliest convenience, please visit the Seekers Enclave. We wanted to discuss your future endeavors with the Seekers. Okay, squeakers. I'm going to go ahead and pocket Tashi, and I'm going to, I guess, make a uh, U-turn for the Seeker's Hall. You head on up, and uh, you enter, and you see that Thalra is waiting there for you. Ah, Marco, thank you for coming on such short notice. Thalra, hello. Yes, I, I just got the paper owl. Um, how can I help you? Yes, we wanted to discuss what your plans were coming up, uh, where your journeys might be taking you, so that perhaps we can inform you on the things in that area we are looking to learn. Would you mind if I made an insight check on that real quick? Just just to make sure that something suspicious isn't happening here. So that is a 16. Yeah, she seems to be forthright. Okay, just making sure. Um, I believe you mentioned that your ship would be leaving soon, so we wanted to make sure we had this conversation before you left. Correct. Actually, we're heading out today. We got a job from one of our other crew um, working for the Moonhammers Guild. So interestingly enough, actually, we found a map that had ancient Kratorian names for all of the planets in the area. Um, Really? Yeah. I'll actually get the information to you once I get back to the ship, and it's still with our uh, ship's navigator. But um, I'll be certain to send you a message along to let you know everything that we uncovered there. However, we got a job for the Moonhammers Mining Company, and we're heading towards the moon known as Vizier, orbiting the planet Fat King. Hmm. That is interesting. We have Sika installations all throughout the system already. Um, And in fact, uh, we have a current archaeological dig happening on the Vizier. Interesting. Well, I would be more than happy to assist. Yes, um, actually, I, th- I believe you would most likely um, get along quite well with the dig leader. Um, he goes by the name Diago Vasco. Diago Vasco. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to meeting him. Yes. Um, in fact, Radex was in the process of completing a translation book of the Kratorian script that you helped decipher. If you pay him a visit before you leave today, he can give you a copy to deliver to Diago. I'm sure he will find it greatly useful. Ah, yes. Uh, fantastic. If that's the case, I'll stop in, uh, Roddix before I, am um, off to Vizier. Perfect. And, um, in helping with Diago's current endeavors, um, if you will actually also deliver a object that we believe will help him in his current dig. Of course. Uh, and she will turn and leave, and a minute or so later, she'll come back with a small wooden box, probably about eight inches per side and only about four inches deep. And she's going to open the lid, and inside you see a 
ancient looking circular amulet, probably about six inches around with intricate little scrawlings. And actually to look on it, it looks like a explosion of chaos. You see that there are these channels of green jade interwoven with channels of ivory and they intertwine, creating kind of like a Celtic knot that looks like pure chaos at a glance. But as you get a closer look at it, you see that it is at a minuscule level perfectly symmetrical in this uh, kind of juxtaposition of order among the details of chaos. And around the outside of this amulet is inscribed a script that looks familiar to you. It looks like the Githyanki script that you've seen on the Drift Globe and other places. She says, we believe that this particular item may serve as a key of some sort to unlocking the deeper chambers of the structures that they are currently excavating. Well, then um, I will be sure to get it to him as soon as I can. Wonderful. And obviously, report back anything that you might find, and I will leave you to speak to Radex about the translations. Of course, of course. Um, thank you so much again, and I'll be sure to get you the information on the uh, map that we found. Yes. As well as anything that uh, Mr. Vasco and I find. Yes, perfect. Oh, Mr. Storio, I had one more question. Oh, of course. When we had our meeting yesterday, you failed to mention the strange phenomenon that you spoke to me about when we were in the block and tackle. Ah, um... I would have thought that a discovery and a strange mystery as uh, profound and um, important as this would have been one to mention to the others. Oh, you'll have to forgive me. Um, at the moment, I, I was so overwhelmed with thoughts in my own mind that uh, I, it kind of slipped my mind to bring it up. But of course, uh, we'll be more, I'm more than happy to discuss it. Um, what Certainly. It? I'm very interested myself. Perhaps once you return. Yes, once I return. We can meet to discuss this phenomenon. Of course. Um, more than happy to. By all means, it's in no way a secret. Uh, I, I got some big news and suddenly everything else seems secondary at the moment. Very good. Um, wonderful. I look forward to, um, to uh, having that discussion. Then. Same to you. Um, she will she will nod and uh, let you go. Um, you know that Roddick's office is not far, and you find him at his desk, kind of looking over some uh, some scrolls. Yeah, I knock on the door. I'm like, Roddick's! Ah, Marco! How is it going? Good, good. I was just finishing up some of the, the pieces of Kratorian um, documents that you gave me to uh, translate last we spoke. Yes, um, Thalros mentioned that you had made a breakthrough. Yes, yes. Uh, between uh, our putting our heads together on... Translating these scripts, I have comprised a, a rather comprehensive uh, translation book here. Here's a, a copy. Oh, thank you. Can be used for those, obviously, who have not yet grasped the language themselves to um, decipher any scripts that they come across. Oh, fantastic. This is quite the breakthrough. Yes, I thought so. Um, actually, uh, this is even more exciting. Um, a lot of these documents are rather mundane. Various ledgers talking about um, shipments to and from the various planets, um, uh, various settlements, and and the like. But this one here, uh, and he takes the original scroll out, and it looks like it's very old. And he says, "This is a spell scroll." And I'll tell you, this is a spell that I've never heard of before. A spell scroll. Um, and I, I kind of like like gingerly take it from his hands like at first like excitedly grasp and then it's like oh this is old yeah 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 and uh you having like he he wrote down the translation um and he'll actually say as you take it i already took the liberty of uh transcribing a copy of it as well as adding it to my own spellbook i hope you don't mind <laughs> and says uh but um the scroll is is yours to do with it as you will as you were the one who found it 
Are you certain? Of course. Oh, good. Uh, thank you, Bronix. This is phenomenal. And Marco, you looking at it, being proficient in Kratorian, um, you see that the spell is called Magnify Gravity. It's a first level transmutation spell, and it allows you to target a 10 foot radius sphere centered on a point you can see within range. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, each creature in that sphere you cast the spell must make a constitution saving throw on a failed save. The creature takes 2d8 force damage and its speed is halved until the end of its next turn. On a successful save, the creature takes half that damage and suffers no reduction to its speed. And until the start of your next turn, any object that isn't being worn or carried in that sphere requires a successful strength check against your spell save DC to be picked up or moved. Um, and at cast at higher levels, it increases the damage that it does. So it basically creates a zone where you amplify the gravity, making objects heavy, dealing damage, and slowing people's speed. Yeah, I'm just putting down here a new favorite toy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus, this is great. Yeah, and as you're reading it, your eyes get wide and Roddick smiles and says, Yes, it appears the Kratorians were proficient in brands of magic that are wildly unknown to the rest of us. I look forward to seeing what more we can uncover. I too, I too, this is phenomenal. I mean, to actually use a spell this old that has not been discovered in some time, this is... Roddix, you are truly a gentleman and a scholar, and this is phenomenal work. <laughs> it, I'm, it is just merely a privilege to, to work with you and have the opportunity to examine your findings. Same, same to you, my friend, same to you. Um... Now, if you won't mind, I'm actually on a little bit of a time crunch here. We're about to uh, lift off for Vizier. Oh, well then, don't let me, um... Oh, Vizier, you say? Well, tell Mr. Vasco I say hello. Oh, of course. Um, Of course I'll share my good tidings with him as well. Um, But yes, um, as soon as I get back to the dear Anchorage, I'll stop in and see whatever else I could uh, hand your way. Wonderful, wonderful. Maybe next time you could actually come with us and we can do some exploring together. Oh, I am far more comfortable here in in the uh, the safety of the um, uh, the archive. Um, uh, well, well, I'm sure Ilun will guide me wherever I go. Uh, I think it's best if I remain here within the safety among my books. Of course. Well, all the power to you then. I guess I'll do the leg work, and uh, you could do the brain power back here. Very good. Teamwork at its finest. Indeed. Uh, it was good to see you, Ronix. You have a good day. And you as well. And I will rush back to the ship. Sure. Marco, you come bounding up the, the gangplank onto the deck. So do you think Luckbeak and Ravnus are still sparring? Ravnus probably would have had Luckbeak stop for fear of killing him. <laughs> okay, good, good enough to gain one level. Yeah, they're taking a break for now. Sure. <laughs> okay. So I would almost imagine Ravnus kind of sitting by, but like Luckbeak is still like spread eagle on his back <laughs> on the deck, just breathing heavy. Yeah, yeah, probably. Guys, guys, this has been quite an adventurous time. Um, first off, I pulled out the pouch, tossed that to him. Got some coins. Um, got a new spell, fantastic as well. Um, you're already emulating it as we speak, Luckbeak. Uh-huh. And uh, watch this. Squeakers. Swoomph. And you guys see, as Marco holds out his hand with a tiny hamster in it, it expands into a giant-sized hamster landing squarely on top of Luckbeak. <laughs> oh, stop, please. I give up, Ravnus. I give up. <laughs> <laughs>
Introducing Fables Around the Table, a new actual play anthology podcast by Project Derailed. Our first season, Curse, features The Curse of the House of Rookwood by Nerdy Pup Games. Join the dysfunctional and strange Rookwood family as they tussle with the supernatural in 1972 in New Haven, Connecticut. And be sure to never forget your roots. Dreaming of such things could be an omen of some sort. Why are you like this? Why can't you just behave? I I come in to think sometimes. Look at all of our dead relatives and uh, think about that. A flock of ravens and crows descend from the tops of the nearby buildings. Us finally being claimed by the curse in the end is a sign that we did not waste these gifts. Something has happened. Projectderailed.com So, like, this episode, I kept imagining, like, Wrecking Ball from Overwatch. And <laughs> and also, for some reason, I kept imagining uh, Luckbeak as rolled from Animal Crossing. <laughs> which, is, which is, I think, the funniest penguin to imagine him as from Animal Crossing. I don't. I'm not familiar. I'm going to look him up. He's so derpy. Rold is extremely cute. <laughs> oh my god. The eyes on either side of his head. <laughs> he does look very derpy.